Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Well, I am going to share the message tonight, and I am really excited about this message. Um, In fact, probably seven or eight years ago, I shared on this same passage, and there was a young man there who would tell you today his life was changed by it. It wasn't because I'm so great, okay? To understand me, I'm not saying that. It's because this passage is so powerful, okay? So we are in a series um, called Not Just the Beginning, a series to the book of Genesis. And what we're learning is, is that Genesis is about the beginnings. It tells us about who God is and who we are and what it means to follow him. But it's not just about the beginning. What we realize is we read their story, that their story is our story. And these stories have a powerful import into our lives. So I want to just open up in prayer briefly, and then we'll jump in. Lord, I pray that you would speak tonight. And when you speak... May all other voices be silent. And may your word be planted into our hearts for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd like to start with a story. Um, It was either my sophomore or junior year in high school. And I'll just tell you one word. Marissa. Yeah, you know, for some people, only one name is enough, like Madonna. You know what I'm saying? No one asks what her last name is. I don't know what Marissa's last name is. See, Marissa was from Johnson City, a small town over from West Frankfort, okay? Uh, Is there another Johnson City person? Okay, this is a different Johnson City, but I'll give it to you. Okay, that's great. Um, Yeah, and and, uh, I, I met her, and somehow, I don't remember if she gave it to me or her friends gave it to me. I got her phone number. Whew, yeah. Okay. Okay, so what you need to understand is in this day, phone numbers were not easy to come by. Not everybody, you know, you didn't carry a phone in your pocket. It was a thing that was like tethered to the wall. You know what I'm saying? And so I got the phone number, and there was only one phone in the house. And so I remember, you know, I remember sitting in my bedroom. My house had more than one phone. We had, I think we had two. Okay. All right. So I remember sitting in my bedroom, and I... And I was like getting myself psyched up. Okay, I can do this. And I was kind of playing through the first couple questions. And I was fully expecting her dad to answer. So my second question, so my first question was Marissa there. And then he would say, just a second, Marissa, some boy sounds really good looking is on the phone, you know, whatever. I don't know. And I would have time to regroup and say, hi, Marissa, you know, so I get myself psyched up, I make the call, and it rings, and then she answers, and it's Marissa, and I said, hi, is Marissa there, and she says, speaking, and I went, (laughs) I froze up, multiple seconds of silence, what do you do? That's right. I hung up. 
what to say? It's the last time I ever talked to Marissa. I hope she's lived a good life. <laughs> True story. I just hung that bad boy up. I was totally unprepared. Okay. So it's one thing when you call somebody and you're in high school and you freeze up with fear. It's another thing altogether when you take a step of faith in your walk with God. Right after that step, fear, doubt, insecurity, anxiety, just waiting right around the corner. Um, what we're going to do is that we're going to read a story where the person who is in the story is facing this. And, and I, I call this the valley of faith, where you've taken the step of faith, but then right as you step out in faith, it's like it's not working out like you thought it would. It's the cost of obedience is greater than you anticipated. And you wonder if you were a fool for taking that huge step of faith, but you're already out on the skinny branch and you don't know what to do. Can I tell you, I have been there so many times in the valley of faith. I mean, it's the place of, you know, fear and anxiety start gripping me. I had to happen within the past year. And all of a sudden, this fear and anxiety started gripping me. And, and I kid you not, I, I, I went outside. I was like, i got to go for a walk. And I went outside, and the Holy Spirit dropped our passage into my heart. And within a minute, the fear and anxiety lifted. And he's done that many times with this passage. Because this passage tells us how do we respond when that moment happens. So if you will, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. If you need a Bible, we have some in the back. Um, Genesis chapter 15. I want to give you an overview of the three chapters before. Gavin did an awesome job last week with Genesis chapter 12, where Abram takes a huge step of faith. And then he enters the valley of faith, and a famine comes And he responds in fear, and he goes south. His faith literally heads south into Egypt. And a series of things happen there we're not going to get into, but he, his faith turns around. He comes back out of Egypt, Egypt, comes back to the promised land. And when he gets to the promised land, then a quarrel breaks out between his people and his uh, nephew's people, Lot. They're quarreling, and so they got to split up. And so Abram says, you get first choice, you go where you want to go, and then I'll take what's left. And, and Lot chooses Sodom and Gomorrah, which was not a good choice, if you ever read the Bible. That was not a good choice. And so then in chapter 14, uh, Lot gets word that there has been an international dispute that has broken out. And these four kings invade five other kings. One of them was the king of Sodom. And so there's an international dispute and these four kings overtake the five kings. And when they do, they raid Sodom and they take Lot and all of his stuff into captivity. Well, then when that happens, Abram hears about it. He's like, not my nephew. 
And he inserts himself in between nine kings in this international dispute. And he takes a 318 guys and he steps into it and he defeats those other four kings and he takes Lot and all the stuff back. That's a pretty gutsy moment, a big step of faith. Would you agree? And then he does two things that are very notable. The first thing that he does is he takes one-tenth, after this victory, he takes one-tenth of everything that he has and he ties it to this priest called Melchizedek, who's a priest of Almighty God. And so this is before the law of tithing has been given. This is, in fact, the first place that tithing's ever mentioned in the Bible. Why does Abram do it? Because the natural response of worship to God when you realize he is your source, is just to give back. So he gave a tenth. He says, God, you're my source. He gives a tenth of everything. This isn't a law. This is before law. And then the king of Sodom comes. He's like, man, that is so awesome that you delivered us. I, like, you're, this is amazing. I, in fact, I want you to take the bounty from the victory that you won. And you know what Abram does? He's like, I don't want your bounty. Because I don't want you to say that you're the one that made me rich because God, I want God to get the glory. And if I'm wealthy, I want them to know that God's the one who gave it to me. Another big step of faith, tell some king, no thanks. You can take your bounty and go scratch. So here you have these three massive steps of faith. He enters into an international dispute. Huge step of faith. Then he ties a tenth of everything he has. And then he rejects the gift of the king. And that's how chapter 14 ends. So, how will chapter 15 begin? Let's read the first verse. After this, meaning after all that happened, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. Wait a second, what? I mean, Abram's taken all these huge steps of faith, and now God comes to him and says, don't be afraid? It's almost jarring. Why would Abram be afraid? Well, because after a big step of faith, fear is typically right around the corner, from my experience. And so he's probably lying in his tent, trying to go to sleep, looking up at his tent. And he's thinking, oh my goodness, did I just make a huge mistake? Do I now have five kings coming after me that I'm going to have to watch my back? Am I on their most wanted list where where they're going to send their, their people out to retaliate? And then he's thinking... And then what do I do? I go and tell the the king of Sodom to keep his stuff. I don't want his stuff because I don't want him to get credit for the blessings of God in my life. Why? Maybe I should have just taken it. What was I thinking? Because now I got five kings. I got another king I humiliated and didn't receive. What, What was I thinking? And what am I doing in this tent anyways? I mean, I don't have a a son. I mean, what am I doing here? Am I I a fool? I left so much stuff at home. I'm in this nasty old tent. I mean, I, I had a good job back there. My family was back there. I wonder if I could get my job back. 
But if I go back, I wonder if I'll always wonder what if I didn't go back? I feel trapped. This stinks. And and the fear and the anxiety of the step of faith, he's in the valley of faith and it's just gripping him. I found that it seems like after you take a step of faith, fear, anxiety, insecurity can be right around the corner. Um, I, I, I remember after I broke up with my girlfriend of three and a half years. I mean, I knew clearly this is what the Lord wanted. And then I break up with her and I sat by the phone hoping it would ring. But I wouldn't let myself pick up and dial her number, though I had it by memory. And I wondered if 10 years from now I'm going to regret the moment I'm in. Did I make a huge mistake? I remember moving to Charlottesville, full of faith, prophetic words. If I had time, I mean, you'd be like amazed at the, at the intervention of the Holy Spirit to confirm we're supposed to be at UVA. And so we move from DC to UVA into this basement apartment and then the valley. I'm like, are we ever going to raise all the money we need to raise? And is anybody going to come? I mean, no one's ever heard of Chialpa. You know, like, is anybody even going to come? And then, and then I'm like, and if they do come, I don't know if I'm anything to say. I mean, just the valley of faith. I remember I was so full of faith. I remember I'd go on prayer walks around the university. And I remember one time I was walking up Cherry Avenue. We used to live on Cherry Avenue. I was walking up Cherry Avenue. Up, the, up this hill, and I was like, okay, God, you've got two years, and I'm out. Because, because if I leave within two years, then my CPA license hasn't expired. And I could maybe get my job back. But I wonder if I did do that, how humiliating it would be if I, if I ran back to Illinois with my tail between my legs. What would everybody think? And the shame of it was unbearable. I remember when we bought the Hub, you think that'd be great rejoicing, right? The only problem is we didn't have all the zoning figured out. We just bought the hub. But we've got a whole zoning process to go through that I have no... And just fear seized me. And that is... Okay, that is the moment that this passage is written to. You guys, you guys get the point, right? And so God says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. So he, he tells him, do not be afraid. Then he says, I am your shield. In other words, I am with you. And whatever you face, you don't face alone. You face with me. And so whoever comes after you, just know I'm with you. I'm a shield around you. And I am your very great reward. Okay, yes, they may think you're silly for, for casting away the, the gift from the king of Sodom, but guess what? And all that you left back in, in Haran, and, but guess what? You trust me, and I'll be the one who gives you your reward. You keep your eyes on me. And it's like, when God says, I'll be your reward, that Abram erupts in protest. Let's read verse 2. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is 
Eliezer of, of, of Damascus. And, and Abram said, you have given me no children, so servant in my household will be my heir. In other words, he's like, you want to speak of reward? You want to speak of inheritance? Guess what? I don't have anybody to give it to. See, God had given him a promise that he would have, he would make him to a great nation. He's like, I don't have any kids. So, I can imagine, because Amy and I have dealt with infertility, and um, I can imagine him getting that promise, and then he uh, says, hey, hey, Sarah, guess what? God said we're going to have kids. And so, you know, they get it, go buy a home pregnancy test. None, you know. And, and he's like, well, maybe you'd already ovulate, you know, maybe next month, and, you know. And then, okay, and then next month, no, next month, no. And it was this constant disappointment. And so Abram's like, I'm out here taking a step of faith. I'm not sure you're going to make good on your promises. I feel like I was a fool. My life is a constant roller coaster. I mean, they'd been out there for potentially years at this point, okay? So this wasn't like two months later. This is like a few years later. And so he's just erupting like, by the way, where's the kid? And then, verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then it says this, God took him outside of his tent. And he said, Look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count. Okay, so here, here you yeah, You know, Abram's in his tent. Maybe you've been here. And Abram's perspective is as big as the ceiling of his tent, right? As he's arguing with God. God's like, let me show you something. And he pulls Abram out of the tent. And he says, look! Take it in! He's like, count them. Go for it if you can. And Abram just stares at the desert sky full of stars and no competing light. And Abram It's a theological lesson. He's confronted with the infinitude of God. He's confronted with the majesty of God. He's confronted with the glory of God. He does for Abram what we so often need is we need to zoom out and get perspective of reality and wrap our 
start to try to wrap our heads, or at least stick our heads into the, as G.K. Chesterton said, we, this is in my notes, he said, but we think the artist is crazy and the logician is logical. He said, but the artist just tries to stick their head up into the clouds and look around in the heavens. And the logician tries to get the heavens into their head. Now you tell me which one's crazy. And he tells, he, he tells Abram, he says, I just want you to look at, at the infinitude and the majesty and the greatness. A.W. Tozer says this, most of our problems seem really big because our God seems really small. We tend to reduce God to the size of our biggest problem, don't we? Is there an area in your life right now where you're tempted to fear, have anxiety, insecurity, And God just says, come out of the tent. I want to expand your perspective and I want you to look up and I want you to see my infinitude and my greatness and my glory and my majesty. And then tell me I can't do it. And so, Abraham's response literally sends shockwaves through the Bible. Verse 6, Abraham Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Does that sound familiar? That's from last semester in Romans, right? That Abram just simply believed the Lord. Oh, okay. He said, so shall your offspring be. In other words, my plans, the magnitude of my plans and purposes is so great. What you're seeing, that's, like, that's, what, you, that's what I'm going to do. That is represent, and, and, and Abram just says, uh, I trust you. I trust you. Yes, I do. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Why? Because he knew that he was absolutely helpless to make God's promises come to fruition. But he trusted that God could do it. Just like we are absolutely helpless without the person and the work of Jesus, but we trust that his work can do it and is credited to us as righteousness as well. Are you following me? And then, verse 7. So now, okay, Abram's believing, he's credited as righteous. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Ur, Ur the Chaldeans to give you this land and take possession of it. In other words, and where you're standing, by the way, I'm giving this to you too. I'm not just going to give you a son. I'm going to give you the land. And then Abram, he responds so authentically, Sovereign Lord, how can I know? <laughs> how can I know that I'll actually gain possession of it? Because I understand my own propensity to fear. I understand my, understand my own propensity to doubt and anxiety. And so how can I know? And God gives him the mother of all signs. Like, I think he may have been like, how about an acre? You know, just a down payment. And, you know, so I know more's coming, you know. No. What I'm getting ready to read to you is a bizarre passage. I'm going to actually put this part up on the screen. I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to explain it, and it's powerful, okay? It says this, verse 9. So the Lord said to him, so how can I know? Okay, I'll show you. The Lord says to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. You're like, okay. Goat, ram, <laughs> you're like, okay. 
Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Okay, got the picture? Down the middle. Bird, bird. Okay, you said. Okay. That's where we're at. Verse 12. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. In other words, what is getting ready to happen is so weighty, it's pressing him to the ground. Okay? And then verse 17. When the sun had set, the darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appear and pass between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. Now let me explain this. In our culture, when we make a, an agreement, say you're going to buy a house, you would draft up a contract, put all the contingencies in the contract, get you a good attorney, make sure they read over all the details, and then there'd be a day where you'd sign the contract, and then if it's really, really official, you get it notarized, and that's how you know that that contract is good, right? That's what we do, because we're a written culture. In this day, that's not how they made agreements. How they made agreements, they were a storytelling culture, and so they enacted a story to tell the agreement. So here's what they would do. They would take animals, cut them in half, and they would put the animals on either side. And what you would do to make an agreement, to make a covenant, is you would cut a covenant. You would walk between the pieces, and basically, as you walk between the pieces, what you're saying is, if I don't uphold my end of the covenant, may this happen to me. How would you like to sign a lease on that one? Okay, well, we're signing on the bun ratty today. Walk right between those pieces, right? Woo! Maybe we should look at that house one more time. (laughs) And then the other party would go through. If I don't fulfill my end of this covenant, may this happen to me. Okay? So here's what happens. God puts Abram in a deep sleep, presses him to the ground, and it says a smoking fire pot and a torch goes between the pieces. And that is, they're the same words that are used to describe when, when Moses met with God on Mount Sinai. This is the very presence of God representing God himself. Okay, get this, guys. God himself comes down and he says, I will pass through the pieces if I don't uphold my promises, if I don't uphold what I am telling you, may this happen to me. But that's not where it stops. What is interesting is he never has Abram go between the pieces. saying this, if I don't uphold my promises, may this happen to me. And if you don't uphold your part of the deal, may this 
happen to me. In other words, he puts himself on the hook, not just for his own faithfulness, but for your faithfulness. Can you guys, okay, just for a second, can you think of a, a better picture of the tenacity and the trustworthiness of God? He's saying, I am so trustworthy, I'll put myself on the hook, not just for my faithfulness, but for your faithfulness as well, knowing full well we would blow it. But the trustworthiness and the tenacity of God to fulfill his plans and his purposes. And so here's what we need to do. Yeah, he has him zoom out to see the glory and grandeur, but then he has him zoom in so he can see the heart of the tenacity and the trustworthiness of his character so he could know that he could trust God. And then hundreds of years later, as Jesus was on the cross, a thick darkness came over the land. And it happened to him. And he took the covenant curses on himself because of our lack of faithfulness. He made good on his covenant And it happened to him. And so if you ever wonder if you can trust God, just look at the cross. Just look at the cross and see the tenacity of God and see the trustworthiness of God, of a God who says, I will fulfill my promises. I will be faithful. And I'll be honest with you. Well, I'm always honest with you. To be frank with you, how many times has my perspective gotten as small as the ceiling in my room? And I need to go outside and I need to see the infinitude of God. I need to see the majesty of God. I need to see the greatness of God. But how many times do I also need to, to look over to the cross and see his graciousness, see his trustworthiness, see his tenacity, that he will stop at nothing to fulfill his plans and purposes. And so if you find yourself in the valley of faith, let me tell you what to do. You need to zoom out. You need to get the wide angle lens and you need, to, you need to capture the greatness and grandness of God. I need that. But then you need to zoom in and look at his character and look at how trustworthy he is as he puts himself on the hook even for your unfaithfulness. This is like one of the most powerful pictures of the gospel in the Old Testament. I mean, the gospel's all over the but I mean, just, it's right there. And on Holy Week, we get to talk about it. 
ask the band to come up. So if you're tempted to fear, this passage is like a jackhammer, just chipping away at your fear. If you're tempted towards anxiety after you take a step of faith or doubt, not in the gospel doctrinally, but doubt in like, was I a fool? Was this the right step? This passage is just like a jackhammer breaking through it all. So you know that he's trustworthy and he's greater than your greatest thought of him. So I want to encourage you tonight to zoom out and expand your vision and then zoom into the cross and see his character. Tonight, this message is frankly one of encouragement. Let me tell you what to do. You, you ready? Get ready to write this down. Sorry, man, you can't write this down. Let me tell you what to do. Nothing! There's nothing to do! All you do is just gaze. I mean, that... Like you just gaze and remind yourself of who he is. He's greater than your greatest thought of him. More majestic than your most majestic thought of him. Stick your head in the clouds and look around. And behold, glory. Zoom in and see a God that's tenacious and see a God that's trustworthy that no matter what sacrifice he calls you in your step of faith leading a core group what's that compared to his greatness his grandness, his glory his faithfulness, his tenacity his trustworthiness why would we not? Go like Kim and share your faith with some. Of course. I, mean, I don't know what it is. It could be to the ends of the earth and living among unreached. It could be just break. I, I don't know. The point is, is when you see that, Fear can start to go away. Peace can start to flood your heart. That's what happened to me just a few months ago. As I walked around my block, I thought about this passage and I thought about God just taking me outside of the tent. And the fear. And peace. Because most of our problems flow from the fact God's too small. And we've made him the size of our 
brought him down to be the size of our problem. He towers and he is worthy and he is glorious and he is mighty. Let's stand. So if you find yourself in fear, anxiety, doubt, insecurity, what do you do? Zoom out. Behold majesty. Behold glory. Behold the infinitude of your God. And then zoom in. And behold tenacity. Behold trustworthiness that will stop at nothing to see his plans and purposes fulfilled. And behold the God you serve. So this week, just gaze. Do nothing, just gaze. And may the eyes of your heart be opened. Do you fear things with school and your future and whatever he'd be asking you to do just gaze Lord open the eyes of our hearts that we might see you and know you better pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation Holy Spirit open our eyes Pray for there's anyone in here that doesn't know you. Open their eyes to your glory. Grant us the grace to gaze. What an awesome God. Lord, I pray that you would take this word, plant it in our hearts that it would go from information to revelation, that we would live in response as Abram did. Imperfect as he was, the journey of faith kept on. And he trusted you, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Give us the grace to trust you. Oh, for grace to trust you more. Bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace as you gaze at him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, our trustworthy God. Amen. Amen. Let's have a great week following Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.